Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Boss Cast Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, aka the Boss. And today, guys, I have a bit of a different episode. Usually, I've brought guests on the past to discuss already decided on topics. But since we're coming uh, to the close of the season finale, I figured, you know what? It's time to do an interview and maybe talk about some gaming stuff along the way. Allow me to introduce Michael. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Michael Colby. Uh, I'm from jack billings presents um i'm also from the real boys and no time to binge and i love this terrible game which is a gaming podcast where we talk about you know normal gaming stuff but also um like traditionally thought of as bad video games that we like I first of all, it's first of all, it's great to have you on the show. I love the fact that you have multiple different shows and whatnot you're a part of. I brought uh, a guest on here a few podcasts ago, known as Dennis. He's from a podcast called Rulebooks Anonymous, and he runs multiple shows as well. So it's really awesome to hear that people have shows like that going on. Also, I love the name of your podcast, like the terrible games like show you're doing. That is fantastic for an idea, and I love the name of it. (laughs) It's so good. But uh, to kind of delve into that a little bit more, so how did you even get started podcasting and whatnot in the first place? Like, what's your history with that to kind of get into it? Uh, well, I mean, I've always listened to podcasts. Like, that's sort of my thing. Um, I used to even listen to AM radio before podcasts were a thing just because I like to listen to people talk. Um, so once podcasts were invented and I was like, oh, this this is this seems like a pretty fun thing. And then as it grew... It gets so like niche that anything that you like, you can find a podcast about. And I think that's really cool. Like I love podcasting. And then my friend one day called me up doing this weird voice. um, And he's like, "Uh, do you want to do this podcast with me? I have this really weird idea uh, about like a, a neighborhood in like an alternate reality wow that's that's how my first podcast started and then you know i just sort of liked doing it so much that i was just like uh so any anytime somebody says hey do you want to do this podcast or do you want to do that podcast i'm like of course i want to do this podcast Very understandable there. I can, especially starting out uh, when it comes to doing something like content creation, or whether it be YouTube or podcasting or anything, branching out and experimenting with new things and even tackling bizarre concepts for things that you've never done before, like podcasting, is always a great way to kind of get into the industry itself. So yeah. I really, I really like the fact that you branched out into that kind of thing too. And the fact, again, you're part of multiple different shows and whatnot. So it kind of leads me into this too, because you, you mentioned that you're really big in like, uh, you have a bunch of gaming groups and whatnot you're a part of. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yep. All right. So one thing I'm curious about right off the bat, just from like the latest show that you had mentioned, your show that comes about with like talking about terrible games. And I love the idea of that, where you talk about games that might be considered if I'm if I'm understanding this concept correctly. Yeah. You have a show where you're talking about games that are considered bad, but you're showing like maybe they're not as bad as what you might think they are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's understandable there. So as far as like that show goes, for example, are there any games on there that you featured that were like particularly notable ones that you really enjoyed talking about or ones that maybe you're like, eh, we didn't really need to discuss this for this show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, our first episode, um, I, we've changed sort of how, how the show works because when we started the show, 
it was just me and a friend of mine um, just talking about because I have a thing with games where I would rather play a bad game that like has interesting things happening in it than like a polished like Call of Duty, you know, something that's a very good like polished game, but lacks any real new ideas. Um, So I would rather play a first person shooter like one of the one of the uh, games we talked about was Rogue Warrior. Ooh, if you ever played that, um, I've I've heard of the game here and there. Yeah, it's it's a terrible, terrible first person shooter with stupid AI. Um, (laughs) But it's about this like it's based off of the memoirs of this guy, Dick Marchinko, who like wrote this story about himself as a like a like a Green Beret in Vietnam. and it makes him seem like he's a superhuman. So like he's running around and it's like just filthy. Like the stuff that he says is just curse filled. And it's just a it's it's just a different idea for a game. And I was like, all right, I'm sort of into this. Like I can tell this is objectively a bad game, but I'm having so much fun while I'm playing it. <laughs> <laughs> so like that's one that that I was happy with and then um this game that just came out Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance that everybody seems to be very down on and I'm yeah. like 3 quarters of the way through this thing and I'm like this it looks bad it controls bad it, it, it like the the dialogue is stupid but I'm having so much fun while I'm playing it like I would rather play something like that you know, we did Dark Souls 2, we did Castlevania 2, um, we did <laughs> Devil May Cry 2. We do a oh lot of my, sequels. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was literally, like, as soon as you started talking about, like, some of these games that I've heard of Rogue Warrior, and I'm aware of, like, the new Dungeons & Dragons game. Didn't know it was considered to be that bad, but uh, glad I haven't bought it. Yeah, it's, so, it's uh, getting very bad reviews, but, it, I mean, it's on Game Pass, and if you have Game Pass, I definitely recommend okay, playing so, it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend anybody buying it that's <laughs> for fair retail. I, I, understandable. There, there's some games that are like so bad they're good kind of thing. Yes. And I can tell you, I have Game Pass, so I could try it out if I wanted to. Okay, yeah. Um, but I, I was genuinely curious, is when you mentioned that you had a show where you talked about it. One of my worst games of all time was Devil May Cry Two. Okay. I love the Devil May Cry franchise. That game is terrible yeah <laughs> which is something i was curious about because i'm like he has a show about bad games is yep. two on this list <laughs> by any chance because i've expressed disdain for this game not here on the show but on my youtube channel i have done i've made dedicated i've made an official review i first played the devil may cry series last year i played through all the mainline games with the exception of the dmc reboot attempt we and have an episode on the dmc I reboot as well <laughs> believe that too. i can't comment on that i can tell you that it looks like it has like great controls and stuff it, but in terms yeah. of like the story and stuff people yep. i know don't like it because it's completely outside the main series yeah so i can't really speak on that one too much because i haven't played it but what i will say is i unfortunately played through devil may cry 2 last year for the first time and in my review as as well as another video that I made, I this game is bland and boring to say the least. I, yeah. can't, I can't stand the game. Have you ever played it by any chance? I have, yeah. Um, it was until five 
it was the first one that I ever got all the way through. That's not really my style of game. I'm so sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> but two, like, I don't know. There's just something about two. I like the look of Dante in two. Um, I think he looks the coolest in this one. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to lie to you. The reason that I did get through two was because <laughs> it was so easy. Yeah. That... Like, I'm, I, I'm not. I'm not great at these like stylish action bayonetta like devil like make right slash kind of games kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So like uh, when I played 2 I'm like this isn't good but I think I can at least get through it. <laughs> you can at least like see it through to the end kind yeah. of thing like you can at least watch the ending. Yeah, and it's weird because uh, I'm not bad at games. Like I've gone through all of the Dark Souls games, and like mm-hmm. I, I, I've been playing games since I was five years old, which was a hundred years ago. But, <laughs> um, but like for some reason, these character action games never like stuck with me. Like, and it's not that I couldn't get through them; it's just that mm-hmm. the scoring system. I'm the type of person that that would need to get like S's on everything. Yeah. So when something is that like complicated, I'm always like, you know what? I'm just going to skip this one. <laughs> yeah, I I don't blame you. First of all, uh, at 105 years old, you're the oldest guest I've had here on this podcast <laughs> so far. So <laughs> you've officially uh, accomplished that record. So congratulations. Cool. But when it comes to Devil, I understand too because there are certain game genres and whatnot that I'm not fantastic at. I mean, I've been playing. I started a resolution in 2020 where I played a bunch of different video games from different genres and series and whatnot, and I've continued it this year. Like different games I've never experienced before of all different types, and the one that never really clicked with me, I haven't really attempted any of them yet, was like turn-based RPGs and whatnot. I enjoy yeah. them. I owed many of them, but that's one series, for example, that I have little to no experience with, uh, unless you want to count like kingdom hearts recoded the segment where they mimic final fantasy 7 like that's that doesn't count but you know <laughs> that's the most i have as far as that goes because like the i played rpgs like kingdom hearts for example i played most of the games in and there was like hack and slash rpgs but not turn-based so turn-based rpgs are my equivalent to like your hack and slash for example when it comes yeah. to games like that in terms of devil may cry 2 as well i was genuinely curious because i know this game's considered like one of the worst video game sequels of all time the the worse and it's something you mentioned before when you're describing like your experience with the game the game does shine in a few areas i will give credit there i've even said this in like the videos i did the outfit of dante is really cool i like some of the boss designs like how they look not how they play yeah yeah like certain things like that but it's just like the lack of a good weapon upgrade system the boring levels that aren't filled with anything the boss fights that are some of the worst i've ever played in a video game it's just shooter the video game at that point yeah you just you shoot everything that's all that's how you beat it it's just this game had potential but i mean you can't fully the game is bad i think that there there are a few (laughs) glimmers of hope here and there but it could have been a lot more but it was the I don't know if you're aware of like the horrid development story of Devil May Cry 2. I'm not sure. Do you know that story? No, I'm I'm not big on like learning about how the games are made. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I, I'm I just I just play the games and then it's understandable. You know, I'm done too. with them. <laughs> just, just to keep it simple, then the only reason that the game was like as bad as it turned out to be was the original team didn't work on it that worked on the first game in the series, and then from there. <laughs> 
the director whose identity has never been revealed, uh, probably a good thing. <laughs> but he, he, to this day, I don't know why Capcom never released his name. Uh, the original creator who eventually went on to work on like DMC3 and whatnot, he took over, but and he made a salvageable game. But by that point, though, with the director that didn't know what they were doing, the original team not working on it, the game just turned out to be a video game. Uh, yeah. Not, yeah, you, it, it was a passable-ish video game at that point. So you can't yeah. blame the director who took over at the last second either. Yeah, there that was... sounds exactly like how um, Dark Souls 2 went. Really? Because I, I have no idea the story behind that one. Yeah, Dark Souls 2. Uh, what you just said was basically the same thing. Uh, oh, Miyazaki wow. made one, and then they had a whole new team making two while Miyazaki was making uh, Bloodborne. Ooh, and right. and then they play, you know, people from from played Dark Souls 2 and they were like, this isn't Dark Souls. So they did bring Miyazaki back mm -hmm. to make some changes to turn it into a Dark Souls game. But at that point, it was all but done. Yeah, so yeah. so yeah, almost exactly how you said <laughs> that, oh that Devil May Cry 2 went oh was my. how was how that one went. That that's like a big thing people I don't think think about when you see games that are like bad or mediocre like you know what the final product turned out to be but like learning how exactly that happened you're like okay I can understand like in the case of DMC2 or even Dark Souls 2 I guess in this case it's it's interesting like the bit of gaming history behind it I will say though for a lot of games that I'm aware of that aren't as received very well nowadays like ones that are just like notorious the one game that I can think of that doesn't have any like bad development history that turned out to be crap anyway was Bubsy 3D. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, at that point, uh, when like the Bubs, when like those 3D uh, platformer, like the the mascot games came out. Oh yeah, yeah. I was a little bit old for those types of games, mm -hmm. um, so I never like I I actually only started playing the Banjo-Kazooie games when Ooh. they came out on that rare replay. Oh, gosh, on, like, the 360 and I think yeah. Xbox One now. Or, no, it's, I think they came out when the Xbox uh, One did. Ooh. I don't, I, they, you know those weren't even on the 360. So, yeah, it, it was Sheesh. pretty recent. Wow. I was surprised at how well those hold up, though. Yeah, which is an interesting take, especially from like old platformers during that time frame. Like so many of them were created, but only a few of them today are like notorious, like Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, I know. If I played a little bit of Banjo Kazooie uh, when it launched on the Game Pass, like there's a 360 port that's available to play for both the original and Banjo Tooie, the sequel that followed it. Yes, Banjo Kazooie is very notable for me. Like when I've seen news about like old N64 platformers or like old games from that uh, generation period, Banjo Kazooie stands out as like one of the I think arguably best in N64 games that apparently is held up even today. Cause apparently a lot of the games made on the console weren't the best, but Banjo Kazooie, that was a glimmering gem. I must say, I was very impressed with the gameplay. The narrative was funny. And so was the writing. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed like what I played of it. Yeah. Rare made a lot of good games. Um, oh, yes. The N64 is probably my least favorite console of all time. Um, I don't, I, I can't remember really enjoying any of the games that came out on mm -hmm. that thing. Yeah. Plus that, that controller is miserable. Yeah, that is. And. That is, oh yeah. Yeah. And like I said, um, I was like 17 when that thing came out. So I was past the point of 
you know, I was right in the middle of too cool for like kiddie platformer games. And that was what came out. I've since come around on those types of games, but like when that came out, you know, PlayStation one came out, I was all about like loaded and nightmare creatures. And that kind of stuff was coming out at that time. Oh yeah. So Like I wanted to play the violent games. Oh yeah. <laughs> Not a bad idea. They are either, especially during those early generations. I never grew up with an N64. I, the consoles that I mostly played were like the PS one, the PS two, the game boy Advance, the Nintendo DS, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like my favorite console of all time, personally is the PlayStation two. It holds so many good childhood memories. And a lot of games that I play even to this day are, I either play, they're either centric to the PS2 or you can play them through the PS2. Okay. And that's kind of that's the kind of generation that I grew up with. I didn't one thing that reminds me of like bloody games, because uh, when you mentioned like violent games that you played from like when you were younger, for example, the yeah. game that comes to mind for me, and this isn't even a violent game, and I've mentioned this on this show before, it's Bloody Roar 4 on the PS2. That game is one of the, is the only game in the Bloody Roar fighting franchise that got an M rating, and it's not even that gory. There's blood and stuff here and there, and like some of like there's some explicit ish imagery, I guess, if you want to call it like risque kind of imagery for some like the female characters. Yeah, if you I go that far. I do but, remember the first one having like almost nudity. <laughs> yeah, which and and the trend kind of carried. I haven't played any of the Bloody Roar games, but I've seen plenty about them, uh -huh. and I can tell you from experience with four that trend kind of continues, especially with uh with uh, Nagi, one of the like the main, arguably main character of the game. Uh, four, I know in the series, out of the five games they made, is considered to be the worst one. And I'm not saying it doesn't have bad qualities, because it does, but it's still a hidden gem to me. Okay. And it kind of reminds me, though, do you have any games like that as well? Games that are maybe considered to be bad, but ones you think are better than what they get credit for, like a hidden gem kind of thing? My hidden gem game is on the PlayStation 1. And it's a shiny game called Wild Nine. Ooh, I don't think I've heard of this one, actually. I, most people haven't. And I actually just replayed it last year. Um, and it holds up surprisingly well. Uh, it's a platformer. It's like a two and a half D platformer. And wow. Okay. Yeah. You play as this character uh, and you have like this thing called the rig. And it shoots out this electricity and you it grabs the enemies and then you you kill them. But it's actually it's pretty messed up now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but like you kill the enemies by you grab these things and they can't move. And then you like slam them against the ground or you put them into like these grinders that are in the floor, you know, and it breaks them so that you can progress in the level. Or, yeah. like, you put them into electricity so they get shocked, or you throw them down onto some spikes and make them platforms for your jumping. <laughs> this is like Super Mario Brothers, like, but with an M rating on it. Yeah. From the, from <laughs> it is the, from the sound of it. Yeah. And I'm I mean, not even sure if it's, I'm not even sure if it's uh, M rated because it's just like aliens and robots that you're killing and they have yeah. green blood splurting out, but. But I would then, definitely recommend if you can find a copy of Wild Nine or, you know, on your emulator, hmm. uh, it, put that on and just give it a try. But it, like like I said, it, it holds up surprisingly well for one of those old uh, like a lot of the PlayStation one games don't hold up super well because it no. was so early in that 3D um, 
like development. Oh yeah. But you know, it, this is more like uh Castlevania Symphony of the Night oh, where, where they're doing more of a of a 2D thing so they're not going too aggressive with it. Mm-hmm. They're doing stuff that they're more comfortable with. And this is shiny. They made Earthworm Jim, so you know that they know how to make the most out of the hardware that they're that they're using. Oh, and that's great comparison there. I mean, especially if you have a company that you already know makes good games. That sounds like an interesting game, I must say. I like the idea of it. As gory as it might have been at the time, it doesn't yeah. sound like completely no. different from other games that are out yeah. nowadays. In fact, no. it's probably a lot more toned down. So this might be a game I have to check out. Yeah, and I would, one thing I would recommend it. And I would I would definitely be interested in checking it out because I'm always looking to play different, like even more obscure games that some people know about games all the time like this one i didn't really know a lot of details about at all i may have glanced at the box art online once in a while but i didn't really know anything about the game at least not to this point so that's something i might have to check out and one thing that you mentioned too that i absolutely love is you made a comparison to symphony of the night uh that is one of my favorite video games of all time love symphony of the night oh it's It's symphony of the night uh such a good game oh man i just i just replayed it like i just finished it after uh season four of the castlevania show like oh wow every once in a while i'll i'll like check back in with symphony of the night mm-hmm. and then i'm like before you know it i you know i'm 180 percent of the castle <laughs> yep that is <laughs> symphony of the night was like one of the first real games like before i started branching out into playing other games when i first got it that is one of the only games i got year a few years ago now with that i went out of my way to try even though it was only for like that little extra thing of dialogue for like the official ending i yeah. love the game so much i got 198 percent on my first actual playthrough of it yeah that's how much i love symphony of the night the game holds up so well it, the soundtrack's amazing the visuals look great the, the voice acting is yeah it's it's there yeah but you know like the, the story th- works for a game like it. The monster and boss designs are fantastic, and Alucard has one of the best sprites I've seen in the video game. Like oh, most detailed. The Alucard sprite is one of the coolest looking things. Like everything about him, when he's just standing, he looks cool. When he's running, he looks cool. When he's attacking, he looks cool. They put so much love into that character design, and it's because they were doing a two D platformer on the PlayStation that had so much more power. Like they didn't need to do that. They, they could have half-assed a 3d platformer oh, because that's what, so. that's what most companies were doing at that time. They mm-hmm. were just taking their, their franchises and making 3d games out of them, but they didn't, they, they went that extra mile with what they knew that they were good at. And it shows in every aspect of that game. Absolutely, it does. I mean, Symphony is an example of a game that even though it didn't go with the trend at the time, like having a, a fully fledged 3D platformer when like Crash, Sonic, and a bunch of other games like around that time were coming out. The fact that Symphony stuck, I think, with the pixel-like art style, it preserved it for decades after its initial release as like an actual like work of art a term, yeah. in terms of the visuals, at the very least, because that pixel art holds up a lot better than even a lot of modern-day games, too, with like the 3D and like all the new engines are coming out with yeah absolutely and i even have the i have the uh, xbox 360 version mm-hmm. where they smoothed out the graphics and i turned that off like i would rather look at those sprites than that than that smoothed out version 
Yeah, because I know they uh, – I don't know the details of them, but I know for, like, Symphony, they ported it to a – well, not ported to everything, but, like, they had the 360 version. There was a playable version of it on the PSP with the Dracula X Chronicles. Yes. And i trying to remember, I'm, I, unless it's on the PlayStation Store or something, I'm trying to think of what other consoles that there's, it was there's given a, on. Yeah, there's the 360 version. There's the uh, Dracula X version. Um, the PS1 version is on the Vita. That's where I just beat it. Okay. Um, there's on the PlayStation Four. There's a collection with uh, Dracula X and Symphony of the Night. Um, there's an official phone version of it, which is five bucks, but I don't recommend it because you're playing yeah. it with touch controls. And as someone who has gone through Symphony of the Night no less than ten times. I can't get past the fourth boss with those touch controls. <laughs> My word. Yeah, it I mean, is I'm just, rough. <laughs> I have heard of the mobile version of Symphony of the Night, and I've glanced at it on the App Store here and there. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose that's probably the reason why, because if you're going for, like, the original aesthetic, unless you have a Vita or you get it, like, online, if you're aiming for a physical PS1 copy, buddy, good luck, because that is almost $200 right now complete. <laughs> Yeah, which is insane. At least for like the black label version. The, so yeah, the black the black label version is hard to have. I have the greatest hits version, um, but but yeah, I, I would love to add that to my collection. I don't have oh, a yeah. huge physical collection. My physical collection is just stuff that like means something to me. Yeah. So I would love that black label version, but I'm not spending something like I have 15 places that I can play symphony of the night on i'm not spending 200 dollars yeah, on a disc version just I to look at it <laughs> because when when i got my uh when i started getting into symphony of the night my that was like my first actual foray into like saving up a bunch of money to buy like an expensive like retro game because at the time when i bought it a few years ago the game wasn't quite what it is now it wasn't even a hundred dollars then it was like i want to say like 70 some 80 some bucks yeah, during that time period. that sounds right and, yeah, and I was saving up to get the game. And the day I went to go and buy the greatest hits version of it at my local game shop, they sold it earlier that day. The <laughs> same day I went to buy it. it, I was so upset because I was so hyped to play this game. Yeah. Lo and behold, I go in a few weeks later, and they have the black label copy uh -huh. that one of the guys there found. So I bought it, and I played the crap out of that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Did, did you play um, Super Metroid? Super Metroid is a game I know a decent bit about, and I at one point owned uh, one of the Game Boy Advance games, um, but I never played Super Metroid. No. Oh, okay. If you like that, you'll definitely like Super Metroid or either of the Game Boy Advance ones. Um, I'm actually playing. I, I got so hyped over the announcement for Metroid 5 yeah. that I went through Zero Mission 2 Super Metroid, and I'm playing Fusion now. Um every single one of those games like except for probably the first one is is tough to play now without all the quality of life stuff that they added for super metroid mm. but again um you know that's on the switch that's on the, the uh super nes classic like that's easy to get your hands on and give it a try so if you like symphony of the night that much 
I guarantee you'll like Super Metroid. <laughs> That'd be something I'd definitely be interested in checking out. The Metroid series is a series I hear about all the time, and people love the series. I love what I'm seeing of it, even with like the newest uh, announcement of like uh, Metroid 5 Dread at E3 recently. Like that, I'm very interested in checking out the series. One thing that impresses me about Metroid 2 is that it was it was credited as Super Metroid and Symphony of the Night as the two games that coined the Metroidvania genre of games. Yep. Like they inspired a whole new generation of games for like the next they both released in like the late 90s so for the next arguably 20 some years any games that have been released in the metroidvania genre those two games get credit for for completely changing not the whole landscape of gaming but for definitely introducing a new way that games can be experienced that's actually fun yeah it's yeah i I can't like i don't i'm not gonna get into it because it would take me forever but the metroidvania like genre is absolutely like something comes out and it's like it's you know it's tagged as a metroidvania right i'm buying it like (laughs) there's no question (laughs) i'm gonna play that game and i'm surprised when i play symphony of the night or super metroid how well they hold up considering that there's been that many new games in that genre you would think that they would be able to like improve it to a point where you can't go back to those old ones but nobody has improved it so much that you can't go back to those old ones. No, those things I mean, are masterpieces. Yeah, none of the successors to the original games have really surpassed them. Like, I'll go with an example that was like a few years ago in the indie scene. Uh, Koji Igarashi, the guy responsible for many of the Metroidvania Castlevanias, including yep. Symphony of the Night. Yep. When he and Konami split ways, he formed his own company, Indie, um, indie Iggy, or in, it was Indie Creates. Yeah. And he, something like that. <laughs> something along those lines. But and then they created, got a bunch of my money to to back bloodstained <laughs> yeah that was that's actually the example i'm going with bloodstained was you can tell i played bloodstained i made it to the final boss against Bale. i still have yet to beat him and it's been a while since i played the game so i need to officially complete it yet but i'm close but when it comes to bloodstained like konami i don't think realized how much people really wanted like another castlevania because the last castlevania metroidvania game that re- has officially released as of this date was order of ecclesia back in 2008 mm-hmm. on the ds so when bloodstain was announced konami i don't think fully realized it because igarashi got so many backers for that he made he raised a lot of money and yeah. they developed bloodstain because of that and bloodstain as a game is really good. They yeah. take a lot of inspiration from Symphony of the Night. Heck, one of the voice actor, the voice actor of Alucard comes back as the librarian in the game. There's yes. the castle design, the use of the shards. They take inspiration from Arya and Dawn of Sorrow from yep. the Castlevania series for power-ups. The music, the look of the game, even the story to some extent, even though it's not Dracula, yeah. they still have vibes of Symphony. Like it's basically a spiritual successor to Symphony that isn't Castlevania. Yeah, and they still do the thing where you know, you can sit down like to the point where you can sit down in the chairs and like you, there's a piano that you can sit down. And if you have the right, uh, uh, I forget what they call them in the game, but like your little companion, your familiar. Yeah. If you have if you have the right one of them equipped, she sings like it's like the fairy. If you mm-hmm. sit down at the piano, you play the piano and your familiar will sing. That sounds exactly like a Symphony of the Night reference right yeah, there. I it swear is. <laughs> they did something like that. I swear they did something like that in the game too. Yeah, no, that that's what I'm saying. Like they they did that. They just do, do all of that stuff. Wow. Yeah. 
goes to show i'll tell you that much i mean i'll tell you this the genre the metroidvania genre a lot of people i think at one point because there weren't as many games coming out like especially in the indie scene which is where you see a lot of them crop up nowadays because they didn't make any for all people like well the the metroidvania genre is kind of dead you know they're not making games there's only a few coming out here and there and then when bloodstain came out there was suddenly like holy cow this is still in demand so many people back this project i mean it, <laughs> It's sold pretty well. I mean, clearly people want these kinds of games. And companies like Konami, who own the rights to one of the biggest Metroidvania, now Metroidvania series out there for video games, people clearly still want this. Metroidvanias are a very important part of the gaming industry. And companies, please produce more. Konami, please stop <laughs> making pachinko machines. Bring back your series, please. We have, we have an episode of I Love This Terrible Game that devolved into basically pleading to konami to to start making <laughs> games again uh <laughs> oh, they have so many ips that they could be doing really good stuff with yep. castlevania silent hill yep. Me metal gear they have so many legendary game series that are very popular yeah and it, they don't do anything with them yeah it drives me crazy because even back in the day like in the in the nes days Konami was the was the company for me. I know a lot of people were Capcom fans uh, yeah. back in the NES day. I was a Konami guy. Like Contra came out, a new Castlevania came out, um, you know, the Metal Gear games. Konami made so many great games back in the day. I I, I was always I was always in on a new Konami game and when they stopped making games I was like, what are you doing, Konami? They wouldn't sell their IPs. They're just like... They're just holding on to them. They're just yeah, gathering they're just, dust. Yeah. And it's like, please, just make some games, Konami. <laughs> like, like, that's all we're asking. Just yeah. use the IPs you already have. Because at this point, if you're not going to do anything with them, give them to companies. Because companies have expressed interest in developing yeah. some games like this. The most notorious example I'll go with here is the Silent Hills project, for example. Mm -hmm. That was a huge thing that could have been either a resurgence of Silent Hill or at the very least taking the idea of it and transforming it into something new. Konami didn't like that idea, so <laughs> they had the whole project shut down. And to the point where if you're a lucky soul who still has a demo of the original silent hills yeah. unless they do something with the ip it's illegal to download and or own now yeah so keep that yeah. buried in your hard drives everybody yeah there yeah it drives me crazy uh just sell silent hill to kojima productions like please just sell, sell castlevania to from i think from would make great castlevania games oh um, yeah I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Bloodborne is a 3D Castlevania game. <laughs> it is in a really big way, especially with like the designs, the environments, the places you travel through. It definitely has like that gothic horror aesthetic that Castlevania is so notorious for, yep. especially Symphony of the Night. The only difference is obviously you're not enclosed in like one giant castle, but you may as well be because the environments are varied in both games. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. That's always how, except for the fact that you don't get like new powers. Uh, okay, yeah, okay, to open true, up yeah. stuff that's the only thing but like the you know the interconnected environment and like you said the aesthetics the bosses the enemies everything is basically a castlevania game except for you know double jump <laughs> yeah, basically like there's no no double jump no familiars by your side like a sword you can level up to level 99 of all things yeah which but, is insane yeah but i do think that from could probably make a great two two D Metroid game as or Metroid uh, Castlevania game as yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs>
I, I have full confidence in other developers branching out and taking over different games. I mean, certain video games and series that I'm looking into now that were picked up from the past. One company that comes to mind is like a Way Forward. Is there a company that picked up old IPs that I've actually been interested in? One, uh, two examples that come to mind are the River City series on the NES, for example. Uh, really old, like apparently like beat 'em up style games. Yep. And the IP was eventually picked up by Way Forward, and they came out with River City Girls, an indie game that came out in t- 2019. Yep. They also ended up picking up another old IP that they produced a lot of games for, the original Shantae, for example, that came out in the Game Boy Color by Capcom originally. That series it didn't sell very well originally. Way Forward picked it up, and they produced uh, four more games since then. So yeah. with the latest releasing again in 2019. Yeah, and so the last one's not great. That is a good series, but that last one was pretty bad. And That's what I had heard here and there. Yeah, we're at every time somebody talks about uh like they had a resurgence of those beat 'em ups lately. I always say, you know, play River City Girls. That's the best one of those. Yeah, it's the best one that's come out. I oh, mean, it's the, so good. You know, you know what I think? Yeah, I love the game from start to finish. It's such uh it's one of my favorite indie games for sure in that regard yeah. as well. I can tell you this, when it comes to different genres, like we talked about Metroidvania's like being kind of slow for a while until projects like Bloodstained came up. As far as other game series goes, beat 'em ups are have been dry as the Sahara, with the exception yeah. of like a few instances of rain, so to speak. Yeah. With River City Girls and like Streets of Rage 4. But other than games like that that have come out over the past few years, there's not a ton of like beat 'em ups coming out nowadays. Yeah, that was a very that was a very uh arcade centric genre. It, it so once arcades stopped being so popular, it I don't you know, on consoles, you have to do something interesting, like the sort of light RPG elements that River City Girls has, or mix it up like that new Battletoads wasn't great, but it mixed up, you know, what you were doing. Oh, I've but actually a, heard of that game. Yeah, yeah. but a straight beat up on a console is hard to do because those things are, you know, they're, they were sort of meant to be played in an hour with a bunch of friends standing around yeah a, an arcade cabinet so if you now, try to make a 5 hour beat 'em up people are going to get sick of it before you ever get through that thing yeah and that's part of the reason why with like beat 'em ups nowadays you have to have like interesting battle mechanics you have to have collectibles you have to have a good story you have to have characters you have to have environments that look good a soundtrack that's really good to keep up the pace of the of the fighting uh, even adding something in like river city girls it was like rpg mechanics with like uh, uh items that you could have uh, or equipment that you could use like yeah. stuff like that that keeps it varied and a big thing of uh beat 'em ups too that i think they nailed back in the arcade days in a way and what they're trying to do now is like the replayability like you're you're most of the time when like i imagine like at the arcades i didn't play a lot of them personally but what i can say is you didn't just play through one of them once you went back you sunk your coins in that and you did it every single day if you really enjoyed the game <laughs> yeah that well at that point there were so many of those and they were all pretty much equally as fun like i would go back and forth between x-men simpsons um I'm trying to think what other one. Uh, Captain Commando, if you've ever heard of that one, that was a Capcom I've, game. I've heard of it, but I have never played it. It's probably it, part of like that mascot era of gaming. Yeah, it's it's a side-scrolling beat 'em up, like a double dragon with 
mascots, like the four there, four very different playing characters. But I mean, it was just one of those. Like there were so many in the arcades back in the day that you you could go in and you know run through a different one if you had a bunch of quarters. Mm-hmm. You could go through and and beat a different one every day for you know two weeks or something. But that yeah, was that, yeah, that was the heyday of those types of games. And hopefully we see like a resurgence in like those kinds of series and games and whatnot as well. I mean, especially like considering everything we've talked about uh, when it comes to different game like game series and genres and even companies not even like Konami, for example, not doing anything with IPs and whatnot. It's a hope that one day, as far as gaming progresses, hopefully some of these series comes back. Hopefully like the heyday of a lot of established series and companies actually do something with them. And gaming kind of comes back to the classic way that a lot of these series started out as, for example. Yeah. 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 I, uh, yeah. And you can see by like river city girls or um, axiom verge came out a couple years ago and there's a sequel coming out. But like, as long as you do something interesting with those old genres, you know, people are going to want to play it. Like I think river city girls was fairly popular um, for one guy making axiom verge it was very popular. Um, but yeah, you just have to do something interesting and, and people still want to play those games. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. They do. There was <laughs> before we, before we end here, um, yeah, I did want to say uh, you said about having a hard time with um, turn-based turn-based RPGs. Yeah, here and there, because I haven't played a lot of games from that. I, there's games I'm eyeing playing like at some point soon from that genre, but no, I haven't played a lot of them. I would recommend starting out with uh, Persona 5. No joke, did. I was actually thinking about Persona. That, that's the one I was never able to get into turn-based RPGs either until Persona 4. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I would definitely recommend five though, because that thing is very easy to get into. And those persona games are a lot of fun. And if you like that, I definitely recommend going back to four. Uh, three is also great. Um, but yeah, those, those Atlas turn-based RPGs, I feel are so much more interesting than us, like a final fantasy, like a square RPG. Oh so yeah. I would definitely recommend that to start out with if you're if you're looking to to get into that sort of thing. Well, I've been thinking about it because that's one genre that I was planning on tackling at some point here soon. So I might have to look into playing some of the Persona series and whatnot here. That's yeah. that's a pretty good recommendation because I've heard good things about I've heard like three is good, but grindy four is a perfect amalgamation and five is just amazing. People love the crap out of all the games, some yes. better than others, but they're all seem like good games, period here. Five, five is amazing and, and very accessible. Four is less accessible. I think it has a better character development, but I think as far as accessibility into that genre as a whole, five is probably the, the perfect way to get into those games. Yeah, I could tell you from the sound of it, it's at least better than three. Because three, I've seen footage of it here and there. It's a lot of grinding in the same kind of environments, apparently. Yeah, like it, yeah. it gets really repetitive after a while. Yeah, three and like the Shin Megami Tensei games, I love, but I definitely wouldn't recommend those to a beginner in that in that genre either, because they are in depth with the systems and all like 
the menus and everything are very complicated. So those are those are for a little bit more experienced RPG players. Gotcha. I'll keep that in mind then as I go on with experiencing more games from this genre and whatnot. So I'll keep that in mind. Thank you for the recommendation there. And with that being said as well, ladies and gentlemen, because we are kind of approaching our countdown time here. First of all, I want to say, Michael, thank you so much for showing up on the show here. It is absolutely amazing talking with not just a member of the podcasting community, but a member of the gaming community as well, who has experience in so many different fields. For Is there anything you want to say to the audience here before we close the show out and or anything you would like to plug? Um, I mean... I already plugged all of my shows, so I'm not going to do <laughs> all that right, again. Fair enough. But is there anything you want to say at least then? I, th- I think what you're doing um, is great. Trying to try out games from genres that you're not usually into. Um, because I have found that going back to things that I just wrote off before ended up giving me wonderful experiences. Um that goes for everything, not just video games, but uh, like video games, especially like if I would have just written off turn-based RPGs altogether, I would have never played a persona game and I wouldn't have figured out that, you know, that's something that I like. Um, so I always recommend in everything, you know, Give things a second shot. Give stuff that you're not super comfortable with a mm. try. And you are you might end up, you know, you might end up finding out, oh, yeah, this isn't something that I enjoy. And that's fine. But you might find something that, you know, it, and it's hard in this life to find things that bring you, like, real joy. Oh, yeah. So if, you know, if a if a Persona game is one of those things as small as it is that's a good thing like try stuff give yourself these new experiences and it's going to make your life better well that's a very good message there at the end so ladies and gentlemen do not be afraid to branch off into new things don't be afraid to try things because you never know what great experiences you're going to have along the way Really good message to close out on there, Michael. Thank you. And thank you again, once again, for showing up here, Michael. If any of you guys out there want to check out Michael's stuff, I will link his shows, or at least some of them, in the description down below. Please go and show this man some support. He has been a fantastic guest. It's been great having you on, man. Again, I really do appreciate it. Thank Yeah, no, this this was really fun. Thank you. I, You know, <laughs> again, um, you put out a, a notice, you know, Anybody from, you know, content creators or gamers, you know, want to come on my show. And one of the things that I've learned and maybe a little bit too late, well, not too late, but I wish I would have started doing it earlier where I just, you know, somebody asked something and I'm like, sure, let's try that. And then I had fun being on your show. So there you go. I did something just on a whim because I thought it sounded fun. And here we are having fun. All right, there you go. And that's an important thing to close off on as well. But ladies and gentlemen, with that in mind, thank you once again for tuning into the show. Once again, thank you to Michael. And if you guys enjoyed the show, be sure to follow it on Spotify. I'll leave the link to that in the description down below so you guys have another place to follow the show on and get notified of episodes. With that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Ryan and Michael signing out.